If you remember, we have Jonah, who is a prophet of God. And that means that, that Jonah hears from God, and God uses Jonah as a mouthpiece to speak both to Israel, to the nation of Israel, and also to the land surrounding it at various times. And so Jonah hears this word from God, and it's very crystal clear. He says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and to preach to them and to call them to repentance. But Jonah, instead of heading up north towards Nineveh, ends up heading south toward Tarsus. And if you, if you start to look through this, you go, well, what is going on here? Because he has been a faithful prophet up until this point. But there's something about Nineveh that he just can't stand. The fact that Nineveh has terrorized Israel, that they have done all kinds of terrible atrocities. And there's just no part of him, even though he knows exactly what God wants him to do, there's just no way that he is going to go up to Nineveh. And so he disobeys. He runs to Tarsus. It'd be one thing if Jonah just said, you know, I've heard this message from God, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm just I'm going to stay here. But he doesn't. He runs to Tarsus. And there's, there's a lot more going on here. Because the place where he's at in Jerusalem has the temple. And the temple is where the, the very presence of God exists. The Jews, as they understood it, it, it lived and God resided in the most holy of holies. Now, they knew that he was everywhere, but, but that's where his presence was most felt. And so when Jonah decides to, to not just disobey, but also to run toward Tarsus, he's running away from Jerusalem. He is saying, I want to get away from the presence of God. I want to get away from this call. I want to get away from any type of reminder that God has called me to do something that I don't want to do. And, you know, this right here, you know, we think about these Old Testament stories and, and you know, we've all heard of Jonah and the, and the great fish. But do you see how much this is lived out in daily life? How many times uh, do you see somebody who is a part of LifePoint or part of a local church and, and they're just embedded in every, you know, fabric of the church's life and then suddenly they they decide that they want to do something that they know is against God's will, against the, the way that he created this world. Or not only do they, they want to do something, or maybe they, they just say, you know, I know he's got this call in life and I don't want to do it. And what happens to people like that is it's not like they just sit in the, the pews. Maybe they, for a while they might sit and just say, I'm not going to do it. But eventually, the presence of, of, of his teaching on a Sunday morning or the association with God's people becomes too much. And no matter how far they are embedded in the life of the church, one day, they're gone. I, I remember a, a lady who, who started to get into a relationship with uh, her boss at work. And uh, her husband found out about it. And some of the ladies in the church went and talked to her about it. And uh, just one day, she was just gone. She wouldn't answer my phone calls, wouldn't answer their phone calls. And these are close friends of hers. But see, that's what it's like. Whenever you decide that you are going to run from God, you find yourself running toward darkness. That's, that's just the way it is. To run from God always equals running toward darkness. And, and the reason that is, is because God is at his very core light. In fact, when, when Paul, who was one of the great evangelists and church planners of the, of the first century, 
when he was writing to uh, Timothy, who was his understudy, he, he once said these words. He said, God, and then he goes on to define God. He says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light. What a picture. God is high and lofty. He is the king of kings and he is the lord of lords. What he says goes. And he lives in unapproachable light. And so if you come before him, the light shines so brightly that your, your secrets that you thought were hidden or your indiscretions, they're suddenly exposed. And so what do most people do when they, they've got secret things that they're hiding onto? You run from the light. You know, when you came in this morning, um, you probably looked around and said, oh, this is a very nice, clean theater. Do you know what would happen if I turned on the lights full board, which I'm not going to do? Yeah. Suddenly, those lights would, would show all those little stains, all the junior mints, all the little jujubes that had been stained all over this place. But Jesus, when he was walking, not only does, does God's light shine like that, but, but Jesus said these words. He says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. He says, I have come into this world and you have been living in darkness. If you've run from me, you're, you're living in this darkness. And in the darkness, when you're trying to, to you know, Wait, you know, let's say that you're the last one. You, you're shutting off the TV at night and you're going to go up to bed and you want to make sure the lights are off but you still have to make up the stairs or down the hallway. I mean, how many people have stubbed their toe or run into something? Yeah, the dark, you stumble around. And Jesus says, you know, you've been, you've been stumbling around and I have come into this world that I might shine light so that you will see those areas of, of stumbling and you might be able to step over them or get around them. Or uh, just to shine the path. So that rather than just going through life trying to say, well, maybe this will make me happy, or maybe this will work, or maybe this will get rid of this guilt. That you don't have to go and try 50 different things. But he says, no, right here it is. I'm shining a light. You, can, you don't have to go through the maze. Here's the shortcut. Here's the way out. That's the picture that Jesus Christ gives us. Well, Jonah decided that he was going to run, that he was going to, to, to take off. And while he's on the ship, a massive storm came in, and the thunder began to roll. And in a minute here, we're going to hear the rain come pouring down again, right on cue. And in that moment, they realized something was wrong, and they asked Jonah, what should we do? And he says, well, I'm the cause of your problem. You probably need to throw me overboard. And so they throw him overboard, and he begins to, to sink down in the water. And later on, he, he describes it uh, in these words. He says, you, he's talking to God here. He says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you brought me life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When I was a kid, we used to go every summer 
to the Lake of the Ozarks, which is about central Missouri. And uh, we'd do all kinds of skiing, all kinds of different things. And uh, when we would be out there skiing sometimes, it'd be nice to, you know, have some goggles on, especially if you're popping along and you're getting sprayed. And I tell you, I did that one time. I wore goggles, and that was it. Because when you get knocked off and you have those goggles on and you look into that water, it's so murky looking. And you just you keep thinking something's going to jump out and grab you. And I'd, I'd rather just not even know. But you start to hear, you know, what it would be like. Can you imagine? I mean, the, the picture that we get here is that Jonah was in the sea. And he started to just, he started to just sink. And what little light he could see began to grow more dim. And he started to feel the water get colder. And it felt like it was just coming on top of him. I mean, that's the words that, that he used. He says, you have cast me in the heart of the seas. And the currents, they swirled around me. The waters engulfed me. The deep surrounded me. I sank down. And when he was in there, he said, it barred me in. And he, I don't think he's just talking about the physical experience here. I mean, sure, that's part of it. But these words right here, they speak to somebody that has been running from God. Somebody had said, I am going to go away from you because I can't stand your light right now and I, don't wanna, I really don't care what your path is. I'm going to do my own way. I'm going to go over here. And in the midst of it, they find a deep, depressive, pervasive, engulfing darkness. That's the picture of these words. When we were driving here from Kansas City, uh, moving, uh, I put together a, a CD of songs that just kind of played through it. And there was this song in there uh, by Kenny Chesney called The Simple Things. And I just, I kept like a couple times, I'd just play it again and again. And it's a country song. And I'm not a big country fan, but just the, the words and the story of it, just, I, I felt this song. And I don't feel a lot of things. I'm not a very, my wife is Miss Empathy, and I don't, I don't get that a lot. So when it does, you know, it's, you know, I take advantage of it. But the whole entire song is about this, this guy who is dropping in on either his ex-wife or his uh, estranged wife. And he just describes, you know, the life that he's been going through and where he is at. And um, I'm not going to sing this for you uh, because I don't think I'm allowed to sing country songs at Life Point. And I, and I don't think that I'm allowed to sing, period. But I do want to read this to you. No, I ain't had nothing to drink. I knew that's probably what you'd think if I dropped by this time of night. You remember way back when? I promised you I'd drop in at one of those meetings down at the Y. Well, they started talking about steps you take, mistakes you make, the hearts you break, and the price you pay. I almost walked away. You could hear a pin drop when this old man stood up and said, I'm going to say it again, like I do every week, for those who don't know me. It's the simple things in life, like the kids at home and a loving wife, that you miss the most when you lose control. And everything you love starts to disappear. The devil takes your hand and says, no fear, have another shot, just one more beer. Yeah, I've been there. That's why I'm here. This old boy stood up in the aisle, said he'd been living a life of denial, and he cried as he talked about wasted years. 
I couldn't believe what I heard. It was my life, word for word. And all of a sudden, it was clear. It's the simple things in life, like the kids at home and a loving wife, that you miss the most when you lose control. And everything you love starts to disappear. The devil takes your hand and says, no fear, have another shot, just one more beer. Yeah, I've been there. That's why I'm here. I know for us it may be too late, but it would mean the world to me if you were there when I stand to say, it's the simple things in life, like the kids at home and a loving wife that you miss the most when you lose control. And everything you love starts to disappear. The devil takes your hand and says, no fear, have another shot, just one more beer. Yeah, I've been there. That's why I'm here. Oh, I've been there. That's why I'm here. I just feel that. I feel this song. I feel where that man is at. I mean, he's just giving in. He said, I am going to go in this direction. Because it just feels right. Because I don't think that I can do the other direction. And I, can, I think I can manage it. I think I can just somehow work this out. But he doesn't work it out. And here he stands on the brink of losing all that stuff. And, and, and then that moment, he looks back on it and he realizes that it's those simple things. You see, the gravity of where he is at is fully apparent to him. You know, the other thing that I, I see here, besides, you know, and of course, with that song, you could throw in anything. You could throw in drugs or illicit relationships or, or giving into your career or just, you know, your own dignity, losing that as well. But it's that pain and that suffering. But here's something that you've got to remember about this, that the place of darkness that we're talking about here, the pain and the loss, it's on the inside. The place of darkness is on the inside. And I know this because there is a story in the, in the New Testament when the church was first starting about this man named, named Stephen. And Stephen, kind of like you know, Jonah, he was also a prophet t- to some degree. Uh, he was somebody who, who started following Jesus Christ and, and loved him dearly. And uh, you see his name pop up throughout the, the book of Acts. And uh, in one instance, you know, he is he's taken in by uh, the Jewish leaders of the day who want him to stop preaching about Jesus. And so in this moment of trial and persecution, he turns to them and he starts to, to speak and, and he just tells them about Jesus. He starts preaching the word, okay? Now, you know, he didn't end up running off someplace like Jonah. He just embraced the moment right then, started preaching to these people who were about to kill him. And in the process of preaching, you know, they end up picking up stones. And uh, unlike Jonah, who gets a, a second shot to go out there, they stone Stephen. And even in the midst of being stoned, he looks up in that moment and he says, I saw, I, I see even right now, I see God and I see Jesus standing on his right hand and I see him in all of his glory and all of his light. And I think about that, I say, what a different picture. Two prophets, both about to die and yet the verbiage and the picture is completely different. You see, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are around you. It doesn't matter what's coming at you. 
It's when you've run from God and you're in that dark place because you are away from him. Because you are with him. If Jonah was with him and he was sinking down, I think he would have been talking about a bright light and the beauty of all that, that God had, had, had brought in his life as he went down. But that's the difference. All right, so what does Jonah do? In the dark, Jonah remembered. He remembered God. He says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. The very first thing that Jonah did as he was sinking down there and he thought that all hope was lost. He didn't make plans. He didn't try to come up with some way to work himself out of this. He just, in that moment, prayed. I'm going to say that he prayed internally since he was underwater. But he just cried out to God. And that is what we are called to do. When you feel like everything's caving in around you because you have run from God, in that moment, just start talking to him. Just say whatever. Just say, God, I, I need you right now. And I don't even know what to say to you. And I don't know how to get out of where I'm at. But please help me. In Psalms 18.6 it says, But in my distress I cried out to you, Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. And he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. You are never too far away for God to hear you. Then Jonah gives thanks. He starts thanking God. And I think he did that right there in the water. He began to think about everything that God had done for him. And, and his relationship with God became, came into to clear perspective again. You know, it's that old question, what do you deserve? Nothing. You deserve nothing. So begin looking through your life and see what you have. And start giving thanks. And when you start to give thanks like that, this beautiful thing happens. And that you, you start to fill with gratitude. And you, you can start to feel it welling up inside of you. And suddenly you understand where you stand with God and where you stand with other people. And then he also made vows and sacrifices to God. And I think that this right here isn't so much a prescription, but more of a description. That once he prayed and once he had said thanks, that then he said, you know what? I'm going to make some changes. God, here's what I am going to do now. Here's what I'm going to do as far as changes in my life. And I think that you will naturally fall in that same thing if you find yourself in this spot in darkness. That you start to look around, you go, you know what? I need to, I need to vow right now. God, I, I'm done with this life of addiction. I'm gonna admit myself to rehab and I'm gonna put people around me who are gonna be a, keep me accountable. Or God, I am, I'm gonna break off this relationship that I have. I'm not gonna eat lunch with the person of op- opposite sex that I have been. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid her or him. You make vows that you're going to change. And a lot of them are going to be sacrifices. But again, they come from, from the spirit of prayer and of thanksgiving. With Jonah, he continues on. He says, and the Lord commanded the fish. This is kind of how the story ends. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. I love how this ends. 
God is a God of second chances. And I think that when you are in the dark night of the soul, when you have sectioned your elf, so yourself off from, from the source of light, that, that part of that heaviness and part of that dealing with the consequences of your actions just digs you even, even, you just feel so hopeless. It doesn't feel like you can have a second chance. It doesn't feel like you could get back up off the mat after you've taken these kind of blows. But the story in Jonah speaks to us today because it says God is a God of second chances. That no matter where you are at, that God can come to you. He can give you a second shot at this. You know, the guy from the, the Simple Things song, I, you know, I, maybe it's just kind of a pastor's heart, but every time I go, I just would love to counsel him. Because you can see where he's at. He's looking at everything that's happened, and, and he, he sees the simple things, like being with his wife and his kids, that's pretty much gone. And you can ho- tell in that song, he's like holding out, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it's over for us, but even if it is, I, I'd like for you to come. And you can tell he has this little, like maybe something can happen, but for the most part, you can tell, you know, his damage is probably done. And I'd like to tell him that I don't know if you're going to be back with your wife again. But turn to God because I know my God. And I know that he is a God of second chances. And I know that he can work all things to good for those who love him. So that even if you've done all these terrible things and if you have all these consequences and everything looks hopeless, that he can still work all things for good. And I don't know how he does it, but I have faith and I have seen him do this in other people's lives. And so step out right now and turn to him. Come back to him and watch and taste and see.